This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, this is Liz. This is Heather. And in this episode, we are taking out the trash, Me Too style. Get that music. So I had um, I had some opportunity to spend time with one of my nieces the other day. You know, my uh, my little niece Olivia just turned two uh, on the twenty eighth. She had a Wonder Woman themed birthday party or superhero themed birthday party, and it was super adorable. So I had her spend the night the other night so I could take her to her Mother's Day out group, and then yes, uh, yesterday afternoon I went to pick her up. And there's, there's always a line of kids sitting outside of this church that she goes to school in because they're like the older kids, like pre-K kids. So they're car riders. They're waiting for their, their people to come pick them up, but she's, she's a toddler. So you have to go inside and get her. So I went inside and got her and I'm walking her out. And as we get to the end of this line, you know, there's all these little, maybe four or five-year-old boys sitting in a line. And as she walks by, he reaches up and he like pokes her tummy like she's the Pillsbury Doughboy. A little and I was like, yeah, like a little four-year-old boy. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird because it's not like it's a kid she knows or, you know, anything like that. And then two boys down the line saw that and he also poked her in the tummy when she went by. And I've, I'm thinking about this as I'm walking and and half of my brain is saying, Oh, how adorable. That's she's so cute. They just wanted to boop her little tummy or whatever. And the other half of me is like, how dare these little motherfuckers touch her without her permission? <laughs> and then I, I think I texted you going, I, I may be a little too sensitive in this Me Too movement that's been been going on the last couple of weeks. Um like am I am I overreacting with this or is this something that hap- that starts that young? that we need to like think about and pay attention. And, and I think it's a double-edged sword. So what do you think? Yeah, Mm. I have thoughts on it. Now, again, all of my thoughts are prefaced around the fact that I do not have children, right? Right. I don't either. I, I just recall that only recently, like within the last 12 to 18 months, this, uh, movement of, let your children know that it is their um, body and they're allowed to say no if somebody wants to like smother them with kisses and things like that. Mm-hmm. And yep. Plus that is the last 18 to 12 months is really all I've seen of it. It mm-hmm. makes me feel like it's not prevalent yet. And so right. maybe five years from now, I would say absolutely not. Okay. Right. Now I say, yeah, it's a little weird. It's kind of cute. Like you're mm-hmm. kind of cute. Like, I don't think there was any dirty or like, I don't think there was any negative intent behind it. No, but however, learn it. that's probably the appropriate age to begin just uh, giving them that information, but it's not your place to do it. Right. Those aren't my kids. And this, I mean, she's not even my kid, but it, you know, as her aunt and as a hopefully positive female role model, I want to make sure that she knows that, you know, it's okay for her to be uncomfortable if somebody new is trying to touch, you know, and that, and like you're saying, that is absolutely right. Because I remember about the time she was born, which, you know, like I said, she just turned two. So about that same time frame where they were saying, you know, you really should teach your kids to that if they don't, you know, cause everyone comes up to little kids and they're like, Oh, give me a hug or, Oh, give me kisses. And then they almost like forcibly make this child hug them like grandparents and uncles and random strangers on the streets and whoever, but that they should feel like they can say no, or I don't want to give you kisses right now or whatever, even if they can't yet and you shouldn't force them to. And so that's, that was on, you know, that's been on my mind heavily with her. Cause obviously, you know, my, my oldest niece is 10. 
So we just smothered the crap out of her with love and kisses and didn't, didn't think anything about it. But as, you know, as we're moving forward and, you know, this Me Too has become a big movement. If you're not familiar with it, then you've clearly been uh, in space or something for the last couple of weeks. So this movement basically is kind of highlighting and it, and again, it's kind of started with Hollywood, but it's really highlighting just in general what women are going through and have gone through a very, very long time because it started with this Harvey Weinstein sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape, you know, we need to call it what it is, accusations that have come out. And, you know, starting with this hashtag of Me Too was supposed to bring awareness to just how prevalent it is that women regularly have and do deal with sexual harassment and sexual assault issues, whether they speak vocally or, you know, like whether they really speak up about them or not. And so right about that time, it started popping up on like Facebook, right? It was on the Facebook feed. Me too, me too, me too. And that was just all you saw. And I was more than happy to throw my me too in there because it's obviously happened to me. I saw you post one as well. So I thought it was just something we should, as you know, we're women and we host a nerdy bitches podcast. So let's, let's talk about it some and uh, get it out there. Well, uh, what, what I liked about it, where it showed the impact, you know, I think it was Alyssa Milano started and just said, you know what, I just don't think people realize the awareness of it. And I remember being told once when I was in junior high or something, that a woman has a 100% chance of getting sexually harassed in the workforce. And I said, you've lost your goddamn mind. There is no way it's 100% chance. And <laughs> uh, it, it seems to be now, I think that there's a concern with is that people are misconstruing sexism as harassment. Now, yes, sexism is harassment if they're joining it. But you know, if you hear that you were passed up for a position, right, because of your gender, that's sexism. And it's a different story here, right? I wasn't considering right. the me too. This is when you've been actively harassed or unwanted sexual advances is harassment. I don't, mm -hmm. especially when they're repeating themselves, okay? So I will go ahead and I'll tell my Me Too story. It, luckily, it's not one, thank God, that is traumatic for me. And so mm -hmm. it's very uh, subtle and it's kind of funny, okay? <laughs> so I had a boss. It's funny now. Oh, it's right? oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll say, you know, so I had a boss and... Uh, he was me and uh, my other coworker were kind of young. We were girls in our early 20s. So, you know, try and think. So we're, you know, we had a lot of fun. We giggled a lot in the back, you know. And so, of course, for some reason, middle aged men think that that's an invitation to come and flirt. And me. Oh, right. Right. Because that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I'm just a. Uh, I'm pretty asexual at the office. I don't flirt and stuff with guys. I just roll my eyes a lot, right? But <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I was starting to get uh, pornography emailed to me from said. Now he wasn't my direct boss, but he was the same level as my boss, and he happened to be the relative of the president of the company. So mm. who can I go to, right? And yeah. I just like you work for small companies too that don't necessarily have like a super staunch HR department generally. Yeah. So you know what I I get this first the first time I got it I thought clearly he got the wrong person he wasn't intending to send this pornography to me <laughs> and I am not going to embarrass this girl. Wait wait wait. wait. I, I like that you're even giving him the opportunity that he actually sent pornography to someone at work by mistake, and this is still okay. I thought maybe he had a friend named Heath, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but again, okay, and, and just backstory on me. I've worked in human resources for, what, uh, a long 17 time. years? Like, a really long time. And so I have done every level of sexual harassment training. I have worked in HR and just, and I have worked in compliance. Um, you know, the last group I worked with, that was, it was like organization development and diversity. Like we were making sure that nobody was doing exactly what you're doing. 
And I'm just, <laughs> just laughing because the fact that anyone should be send is sending pornography through work emails, regardless of who it's to, and they still have a job makes me laugh and makes me a little weepy at the same time. <laughs> Cause I'm like, wow. That's why it was so, it's so disturbing. Now I didn't need, I mean, I needed that job, but I was in a mm. transition period in my life. And so I was actually, you know, you know, in the period of moving on. So I, disregarded it and by disregarding it is i completely ignored it pretend it never happened and never talked to the guy and it continued Mm -hmm. to happen a couple of times and then it just stopped maybe because i didn't feed the troll whatever and didn't respond right you know so obviously like i'm saying i wasn't traumatized by it however i was in a situation where i couldn't go to somebody for help because of the real because he was a person in power Right. Mm-hmm. And that I think yeah. stems to the problem that Me Too is trying to address. It's not that, mm-hmm. hey, we're really upset because you keep hitting on this. No, we're upset that we're being systematically put in positions that we cannot help ourselves. Right. Where we, right. we cannot go and get the appropriate help. I've had friends that have had rules because they also work for smaller companies, rules written into their employee manual that says that they have to confront their harasser before they're allowed to, to open a file with HR. Which is completely wrong. And I think it's illegal. And I meant it is illegal. I, I mentioned that, but you know, <laughs> but, well, but the problem is, um, and again, from, from a standpoint, again, I've worked in HR and I have seen people in HR harass people in HR, like the upper echelon of harassing people. And you're like, well, fuck, who do I go to at this point? Because I can't file something with with HR. But for people out there who are in the position that you are in, or you don't have an HR department, you can still find help. But it usually you have to leave the you don't leave the company, you have to go outside of the company to something like the EEOC in order to file a complaint. Yeah, which is which is that now most companies have most companies have something in their policies that will tell you that you cannot sue a company while you are working for them. So this usually means after they fire you is when you sue them or you have to quit in order to sue them. However, with the EEOC, you can file a complaint, they will do a an inquiry basically to see if there is enough evidence to open a complaint. And if there is, then they will move forward with whatever it is. Yeah. Because, you know, unfortunately, if you have fewer than 50 employees, you don't have to have a human resources department. And a lot of the employment laws don't fully apply because you're such a small thing. Mm -hmm. However, this is part of the Civil Rights Act of 1967. And I could talk about this for days, but I'm not going to because our listeners have already fallen asleep. Yeah. Uh, but it, again, especially if this is happening in the workplace, you need to seek help. And the one thing I want to throw out there, because I've heard it again, working in HR for 17 years, I have heard it so many times was I didn't have any choice. I didn't have, I couldn't do anything about it. There was, you know, there's nothing I can do. I had to go along with this. I need this job, whatever it is. Here's the deal. You always have a choice. And sometimes that choice is walking the hell away. And that's not something people want to hear. It really isn't. It's like they should change. Yes, they should. However, if you are in a situation that puts you in a danger zone, where this person is going to progress from sending you porn to actively asking you out to coming and physically touching you to all of these different things that tend to because that's I think that's one of the biggest problems that we as women have been taught, you know, If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, or, you know, just ignore it and it'll go away, or it's just boys being boys, all of these placating things that have been told to us that tell us that, that we are the ones who have to figure out a way to deal with this rather than the person who is doing it. So, you know, we hear a lot about rape culture. Well, what were you wearing? Well, who cares? He fucking raped me. What does it matter? what I was wearing. Why don't you tell him not to rape people? Like that's where we need to be placing the ownership. And I think, you know, with me too, it's not just the workforce or at least in my mind, 
as I was looking back on my life, because again, when you're the trainer girl in HR, people are pretty stupid if they actually want to sexually harass you in the workplace. It's not a good idea because it's not going to go anywhere and you're going to probably lose your job. However, there's a lot of things and there are things of sexism that, you know, becomes sexual harassment because there's two different types. You know, there's the quid pro quo, which is your boss or someone in a position of power over your your job. So someone who has the power to hire, fire, give raises, demotions, those kind of things. That person is actively doing whatever and they're making it a either openly or not, but they're somehow making it a condition of employment. If you don't sleep with me, you're fired. Um, if you don't dress a certain way uh, that I find attractive, then you're not going to get ahead around here. Things like that. The second type of sexual harassment does not have to be a boss. It can be anyone. And that's a hostile work environment. So it's that is when the boys club, the, you know, the pornography being sent from one employee to another, uh, you know, the, all these little things that happen in the workplace and you're like, well, you know, he's not my boss and he didn't directly hit on me, but you know, they're talking about their sexual conquests over the cubicle wall that's, you know, when it becomes impactful to your job that you just, you can't even focus, that's the hostile work environment and anybody can file on that. Yeah. So, you know, what- but I think like I, I started thinking back even further and thinking back, not just with, you know, jobs and opportunities, but I mean, I remember back to like, going back to the second grade here, like I'm going old school, like preschool almost. Because I was, I was, you know, I was second grade year. So you're, I don't know what, six, seven, eight. I don't know. I have no idea. I can't remember for uh, that far. I know seven. I, I seven. Yeah. Let's say seven, eight, because I'm a September birthday. So I'm a year behind. Five, so yeah. Well, I was six when I started kindergarten, almost six, because I'm a September, late September birthday. So I had to start, you know, a year later. Um So, uh, you know, but in the second grade, I started to develop, you know, you start at that age, starting to get the hormones. Yeah. I mean, not like, oh, hey, I've got lady boobs, but I definitely started to not be, you know, the same as boys um, at that age. And like, I had another friend I'm still friends with who like, she was already wearing like a training bra. Like I would wear sweatshirts and things to try to, to try to hide these kind of things. And I remember like, you know, boys commenting or like the, the bra snapping and things like that, that would start happening at that age where you're already like, I'm already going through shit here, right? Like there's stuff happening and things sprouting and, you know, it's your own body. And then people are feeling that somehow they have the right to manhandle you in any way, shape or form. And if you say anything about it, then you're a brat or a bitch or whatever it is. And the teachers are going to say, oh, boys don't do that. Or boys are going to be boys, blah, blah, blah. But they don't realize that this starts the snowball of, and I don't want to just say male entitlement because I have friends who are male who have been actively sexually harassed and assault, you know, things have happened, but it, you know, societally, it does tend to be boys picking on girls through adolescence like this. And it's, Oh, well, he only does this. It's just like telling someone um, it's okay that he, he punched you because he loves you. Well, that leads down a whole nother road too, that we're not going to talk about, but just looking at it from even that standpoint, it's like, you know, so young that you have these, you know, that you have these issues that start that you're, you're constantly more aware, I think of your own body and your surroundings and the intent, whether good or evil of other people around you. And, you know, in this case, males around you, but I think it was just such an eye opener for me even to just see how many, me too's have popped up on Facebook and Twitter and people you never would have, you know, all walks of life, all races, all ages. And then you get the, either the, the me too sympathizers or the me too deniers, right? I don't know if you saw any of this popping up, 
But I think there was a lot of guys who had popped up and said, oh, this is terrible. And I, I was never a part of this. Or if I was ever a part of this and complicit, then I am incredibly sorry. And it's like, you know what? While I appreciate your, I, I appreciate that thought, this is not the time for it. Yeah. Right now, this is the time for you to understand what we're trying to say. Don't throw in your own story. Yeah. It's not time to talk about you. <laughs> it's time to, It's time for you to listen. And it's time for us to talk about what is happening as a society on this planet that makes it okay for the things that have happened repeatedly in every industry. Hollywood is obviously the most prevalent, yeah, glamorous under a microscope, prevalent, loudest, but it happens everywhere in every corner of the world. And we need to stop it somehow. And I don't, I don't know the answers to that. Um, but I know that the more me too's I saw, the more, depressed I got, but also the more I was like, you know what? Good job, ladies. Let's stand up and say, this has happened to me. I mean, I, I was sexually assaulted in high school and this is not something that's like, oh, I was raped behind a dumpster. I'm sure that's happened to people. I had a boy who was, I don't know, maybe two years older than I was, but in my class, cause he was dumb as a box of rocks who would try in class to touch in inappropriate places a lot. And this is one of those things that this person is like double your size. They're two years older. And you just get into a situation where it's like, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know how to get away from this. Yeah. But you do. And then, and like, I got away and I was like, just stop it. Like, don't, I don't want this. I do not want you touching me period to then being followed to class having him saying things negatively about me, like under his breath, Mm -hmm. the whole, like, so like, not only did I have to deal with the physical, then you deal with the emotional harassment after the fact. And, you know, you know, those are high school stories. I have college stories, you know, workplace stories, and it just, I don't know. Yeah. I think that that story that you're telling is indicative of the, of the problem. Like that is more, then likely what a symptom of what that guy was doing to you is a symptom of what Mm -hmm. women are feeling is because somebody decided that they would do a power play and decide what they could do to you. And when they couldn't, it affected their ego. And so they attempted to destroy you, uh, you know, emotionally, but yeah. In, instead, the resolution is to indicate to that guy that someday somebody will want you to touch them. And, right. you know, but they won't if you freaking uh, attack people at the school. Right. Is it too late for that kid? Do you think if that kid learned the lesson really early, if he could go on and be a good adult? I think if he had learned it probably before that point, but at that point he basically was an adult. Like I said, box yeah, of rocks. It's like, but at that point he's like a sexual bully instead of just a standard. Bully. Well, at that point he's the predator is what he is yeah. because he was, you know, again, I'm, I'm five foot two and have been since about the sixth grade. I was not, you know, I'm not, a, I mean, I'm a small person for the most part. This guy was over six foot tall. He was big. He was like, had hands like a fucking linebacker. I mean, he was, this is like a big imposing person. Yeah. And him being also, and how, what do you do? Power that he Mm -hmm. had, you know, he was able to have an air of authority. And I don't care when you're in high school, somebody two years older than you does have a lot more authority than you do. Well, if I'm 15, he's 17. He's, he's a man, basically. You know, I was a 15 year old girl in, you know, I was 14, 15, whatever it was. It was my freshman year that this happened. And to this day, I'm 41 now. I still remember how I felt, how awkward it was. And it, because it was happening during class and that like nobody noticed, nobody said anything, did anything. I didn't feel like I was in a position with this hulking person right here doing these things where I could say or do anything. And, and then to, to be followed and harassed afterwards, I still remember how I felt. And I still hate this guy. Like, I, I live in the same town or I live in the town next to the town I grew up in. And I've bumped into this guy a couple of times. And he still 
makes my skin crawl. Yeah. And when I've, I've heard other friends who are mutual friends with this person have said, Oh, blah, blah, blah. So-and-so I'm like, I fucking hate him. And you know what? Like that was probably 10 minutes of his life and that he's never even remembered. Yeah. But I still remember it that many years later. And it still creeps me out that, you know, that this happened to me. And I know if it happened to me, it's happened to other people. And then I get the feeling of guilt and shame. He should be the one with feelings of guilt and shame. But I get the feeling of guilt and shame because I didn't say anything to anybody. And it could have happened to somebody else. And it could have gotten worse. And something bad could have happened. And that's what happens is we feel like we ignore it. It'll go away. And then it stops happening to us. So we stop thinking about it. But the problem is with any sort of predator, if they can't get their prey one way, they're going to go find somebody else. Yeah. And that's why we have to be super hyper vigilant about this stuff. And I think a lot of men don't understand this concept that it's not, you know, like I know for a fact, my ex thinks that saying inappropriate things to a woman that he thinks are you know, like, like, Hey, this is a nice rack or, you know, whatever he thinks saying, he thinks that's a compliment. And that's why men like, you know, if you've ever been a woman walking, jogging, anything down the street and you have a car roll by slowly, you're immediately looking for an out because we've all been cat called at, we've all been hooted at. We've all had guys yell compliments to us. And while these guys are like, Hey, I'm just trying to pay you a compliment, bitch. Um, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking you're going to rape me and murder me in a field, Craigslist guy. That's what I think. And that's what most women think. And that's what dudes don't understand. Yeah. And I, I would like for them to. And I know this is not, uh, I mean, we have awesome male listeners on our show. And I'm not saying this to any of you guys, but I want you to actually think about the things that you say and how you say them. But also, you know, okay, because I asked, I asked some of our listeners to, hey, send in a couple of questions. And I got a really, really good one that I'd like to, to throw out there. Um, because I think it's something we should talk about. And this was from Brian from Okay, the, I do want to make sure that we remember to come back to this because I do want to talk to our yes. listeners specifically yes. about th- what this means and that we're not attacked. Well, that's what this question is. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. This that's, this question is is right in line. That's why I'm going to throw it in. So this is Brian from BriFi Podcast. We love Brian. Oh. And his podcast is, is totally our go-to for comic stuff. Okay, because awesome. Bri-Fi knows what, what's up because he said, reviewing a comic on his, and he said... I don't know why this guy thinks it's appropriate to keep asking somebody out over and over again and being rejected. And I was like, good for you, mm-hmm. Bri Fry, bringing it up on a podcast, yeah. on a probably male-centric podcast. And so I was very right. Yeah, Bri Fry's a good guy. So I want to read this question fully, and then there's a couple of questions in it, so I want to then we can kind of dig into it. Um, he said, basically, without trying to sound too naive or mannish slash, slash offensive, I always hear how words aren't enough when it comes to issues. What can I, as a male who has no personal experience, nor know anyone close slash in my friend circle who has had personal experience or voiced them? I think this is going to be important to come back to. Uh, what can I do to help move the problem forward? Is it as simple as me continuing to be a decent human being and raising my son to be one as well, or should I be doing more? Now, I think this is an awesome question. And I think, I mean, like I said, there's a couple of parts in here, but one thing that I want to say, you know, to you, Brian, is I am going to guarantee that there is someone, you know, in a close circle who has had something similar to what we're talking about happen to them if they are a woman in their lifetime. They may not think about it or they may not be like, oh, I was sexually harassed at work or, oh, I was raped behind a dumpster. They may not think about it in those terms. But going back to the the harassment that we've talked about and the the feelings of shame and guilt and the being, you know, catcalled, you got a, you had some dude tell you to show him your tits outside of Comic Palooza, didn't you? Like this past year, didn't you but tell me that? Worry, he wasn't a Comic Palooza person. He was a football person. No, so it was fine. A com- <laughs> people are still on top enough. Thank you. <laughs> he was enough of a jock that you could blow it off. But no. But again, but you you yelled back at him. You told him to go fuck himself because 
that's what we need to be doing. We don't need to be, you know, hey, babe, show me your tits. This is not girls gone wild. This is lady walking down the street with friends at night. That's not appropriate. And that's not okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to guarantee that, you know, somebody it, they, and then again, the, the, the parentheses of, they may not have voiced it to him that they've had this experience, but you're going to know somebody who has had this experience. Yeah. Um, and because, because I, just because I had said mine did not traumatize me, had I been mm-hmm. maybe five years older and I oh, had yeah. nowhere else to make my living, right? It would have been yeah. devastating because yeah. I knew there was no way out. And, you know, uh, the president of the United States was asked once if his daughter was being <laughs> sexually harassed at work, what should she do? And he said she should find another job. Well, guess what? That is not an option for people that are not billionaires. Especially when they're the ones harassing people. <laughs> but I'm just, I mean, I'm not getting political, but come on. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's a problem and it's, it's a continuing problem. It's one that I don't want to have to see my nieces grow up and deal with like we have. I'm hoping it's getting better, but that, doesn't seem to be. It seems to be getting a little bit worse. However, I don't think, though, this is a triggering conversation, Brian. And so I wouldn't mm-hmm. try and push it. This is not no, 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 no. a dialogue. But I think that what you have described is exactly what we expect of any human being, right? Is to recognize this is what Me Too did. It just wanted to show you, hey, these are numbers. This is data out here. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love data. If I could, I can quantify yep. that. I can put how many hashtags me too affected. Right. And you can see how many right. people are obviously affected by this. And you know, what fixes that is knowing and moving forward. And you know what, if you were the friend of the guy that was drunk in the car that rolled down the window to try and get me to show him my tits, you should have stopped him. However, yes, you, you don't need we. I don't need a dialogue open about me. Too. I need acknowledgement no. of the problem. Well, I think we need acknowledgement of the problem, but I, I think there also has to be, and and like he said, you know, one being a decent human being and raising your son to be one is an awesome place to start, but it's not the place to stop because I think what happens a lot of times is again, you know when I had this guy following me down the hall, harassing me, he had a friend along with him, you know, and, and he was somewhat harassing, but somewhat just kind of like along for the ride. Allowing it to happen. He hadn't. Yeah. It was allowing it to happen. And that's not okay. I think that's what we need to be seeing is men standing up to other men saying what you're doing and saying is wrong. And don't put it in the frame of that's someone's mother, sister, that could be your daughter. You just need to put it in. That's a human being who doesn't deserve that kind of behavior. Yeah. And they I are think, a person. Yeah. Speaking up, saying, you know, saying when things are wrong, noticing when it's wrong, standing up for people who don't feel that they can stand up for themselves. That is going to be what changes our world. Yep. That kind of thing, not allowing this to be prevalent and to continue and to just poison our our society and to just dampen the spirits of people. And like I said before, this is not 100% a female thing by any no. means. We obviously have everybody across the board who has had some sort of incident that they can, you know, that they can, you know, step on. This is not an inherently biological female thing either. So we definitely have you know, the people, other genders and non-binary and whatever who deal with this shit every fucking day. And it's worse. Every fucking day of their lives. And it's worse. And it's terrible. And I, I, yeah, I can't even open that can of worms right now um, because I will just talk for like 16 hours and we're not even qualified to do so. I don't feel. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, but I, I, I know some people, so I could get, I could get a conversation, yeah. but, uh, but I think, you know, Brian, thank you for sending that question because I think that that is what a lot of good men are asking. Yeah, right. I know that there's a lot of guys who are like, you know, I don't think that I've ever done this, but if I have, I'm sorry. And I apologize, you know, like I want to fix that. 
And that's a place to start. It is a step in the right direction. Uh, just acknowledge, yeah. just understanding like, oh, hey, I always thought it was a joke. Like locker room banter, maybe it shouldn't pass the locker room, even though, uh, don't get me started with locker room banter because it's bullshit. But, like, um, but if you think something in your head doesn't mean it needs to come out loud. But I, I think that... Re- but again, if you're in the locker room, and I want to point this out because we may have some, sorry, I don't know what that is. Uh, we may have some younger listeners who hang out in locker rooms. I don't know. Um, you know what? If you hear somebody talking about their latest conquest or what they've done or how they you know, coerced somebody into doing something they didn't want to do, you need to speak up because locker room banter is not okay like that. That's that's talking about a sexual assault, and you can't let that go. Okay, so now you know? do want, I do want you to think about this. Uh, this is mostly for men. Okay, so we just told you about a scenario where you could walk up to somebody and confront them about something that they're saying or doing that is absolutely wrong. Okay, now imagine that person has 150 pounds on you and is two foot taller. Now you can uh-huh. that is the feeling that women have when we are assaults like this obviously by the way i'm not asking you to go and pick a fight with somebody that's a buck 50 please don't taller than you but i'm trying to give you a correlation of what it feels like when a woman is being pressured like that or being talked about like that or being harassed like that because you can't turn around and confront them you know i mean Mm -mm. i can't turn around and tell somebody to stop acting the behavior they are because they are physically imposing and they provide a direct threat yes a direct threat Feel yeah. that that feeling in your chest that you're feeling, that's what women feel like in these hostile environments. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And honestly, that's the exact situation that I found myself in. This guy was, you know, almost two feet taller than me and at least a hundred pounds heavier than I was, if not more. That's that's again, I can, you know, somebody my size or similar, I can take them down. I know how to kick somebody in the nuts. I can fight, I'm scrappy. But someone who is, I mean, could literally just sit on you and you're completely, it's just not a situation you want to put yourself in. You want to escape out of it. But, you know, and, and in no, if nobody does anything about it, it continues. Yeah. That's how the cycle is prevalent. When nobody says anything, when everyone ignores it and says, oh, boys will be boys. This is a, this is a phrase that needs to be banned. We need, I mean, honestly, I think that that is wrong. Because, you know, it's not, there's never a, eh, girls will be girls. They're like, that girl's a bitch. Like, you know, there's a big difference in the way that we talk to even small children that, oh, well, you know, um, Bobby kicked so-and-so the other day. Uh, and, but eh, it's, he's, he's a boy and he, had, he was tired. He hadn't had a nap. And I was talking to somebody, my sister-in-law, I was talking to my sister-in-law about my niece and she had gone and taken her somewhere. And there was another little kid there that was like, like hitting her or like pulling on her hair or bopping her on the head, like doing things aggressively towards her. And she's, you know, she's the mom of the kid getting hurt. The mom of the boy who's doing this is doing nothing or saying now now don't do that but not physically stopping this child to where she had to physically take this child's hand and remove it off of her child and then try not to murder a small child yeah and it's you know and it and it's when we get to that point where it's just like ah this behavior doesn't need to be corrected i'm like yeah it does yeah. and if it's corrected now not when they're 17 it's going to work a whole lot better in the long run where they understand that, you know what, like, it's funny because I've watched all these dumb shows with my, my little kid nieces and, you know, my nephew and uh, one that I hate that Yo Gabba Gabba. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. It's horrible, but they have all these stupid front, these stupid songs, but they have pretty good message. Don't bite your friends. That's a good, that's a good message. You should learn that pretty young. You should cross Uh, that. You should really, I'm going to don't bite your friends. I'm, I'm going to cross stitch that and put it on our Patreon. So if you give us money on Patreon to a certain amount, I'm going to add that as a reward. Yep. So don't go hit us. Uh, don't bite your friends and keep your hands to yourself. These are things that are lessons that children are supposed to learn that somehow have been allowed for grown people to ignore 
and get away with. And I think we just, I think, yeah, I didn't want to get super heavy into all of this, but I think it, you know, we have a social responsibility to say something. Yeah. But I think know? that Bri-Fi has it right. And I, uh, what yes. on what he does, but he's, and he's always been that guy that's kind of, uh, yeah. what to do. I mean, if you listen to his podcast and his interpretations of, uh, uh, just, you know, he's reviewing comic books and he's putting, you know, just just offset commentary. He calls out comic books and he's a comic book guy. Right. So good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, obvious. Good job. It, so when this is the thing is Bry's not one of the guys that goes not all men, you know, By the right. way, when we say, yeah. the fact that we don't say not all men, uh, mm-hmm. you feel like you need to say not all men. You're actually the one we're referring to. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like if you have to say yeah. that, then generally, actually, you are. You're. You are. What was what was the pro- what was the thing that was happening? It was like a, two years ago, where it was like the man movement or something. It was like the it was all like caveman movement, basically. Oh, they got all upset because there was uh, men are so sensitive. There was a hashtag like "Are men okay?" because it, they needed to have like the manly. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it was, but there, there's a there's a website out there, and I'm not even going to try to look it up or give it notoriety of any kind. But it was basically about how to be a douchebag. I mean, that's not what they called it, but that's what I'm calling it. And it was of like a movement, like let's take back our douchiness. And I'm like, why? So no, so no women will sleep with you. That's that's your goal because that's what's going to happen, sir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I did want yeah. I did want to say something about the Me Too movement. Uh, I just wanted yeah. to call out there was uh, there was an article on Reddit that I thought was kind of interesting, and I thought I wanted to mention it here because you know that it's true for me because I always uh, I kind of protect myself on social media, but it's yeah. that the hashtag Me Too like on Facebook will not show the whole picture, and the reason why is because a lot of people and the person that actually wrote this article said I was assaulted, but I will not repost because I have professional connection. Mm-hmm. on social media and yep. and yep. i'm sure a lot of other people have their reasons like they know the person or yep. um and so that's why or they're married to the person that happens yep. and so it's so it's far worse than the campaign shows so that's i just wanted to oh, yeah. make sure that people understood that 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 is uh that there is going to be limitations in what we're seeing and so the numbers that you're seeing even if they seem high they're probably higher Oh, they're a lot higher. There were a lot of people that I saw that posted uh, two, three, four days later. That was like, almost like you could feel the, the big sign. You could feel the shakiness in their hand before they hit send because it was like me too. But it took me a lot of guts to put this on here or to say this. And so those are the people who actually hit send. There are going to be a lot of other people who never had that feeling where they could do it. Like Heather said that there's somebody out there who might notice or might see it or might think that, Oh my gosh, because I said this, I'm some sort of a wackadoo activist. What, whatever reason, just understand the whole point of the movement is to show that it is excessively prevalent. It is out there every single day. It is happening. Hollywood is just the smallest microcosm of what's happening. We're just seeing it blown up on a big screen because that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, We also, I no. Oh, I was just going to say that I saw kind of a funny thing where somebody was trying to troll, but you know, you started to think about it. It was a picture of Pepe Le Pew, like trying to kiss that cat, right? Pepe Le Pew is a rapist. He and so if you watch those shows, he is a fucking rapist. That guy. He's like, I mean, he takes advantage of her when she is like drugged. He, I mean, there's a reason that a lot of these cartoons are not on the air anymore and would never be okay. Yeah. So it brings up a point that this was normal, right? And so there was generations. Yeah this was entertainment to children for generations, which mm-hmm. it might be an oversimplification, but I mean, I'm just trying to show that it's prevalent and it was prevalent in a humorous way. Mm-hmm. And so that poor cat. <laughs> I know poor, poor girl. She should have just got her some mace and see, but see, there I go. Blaming the victim, not even her fault. Yep. Damn you, Pepe Lupita. But no, he was total rapist. You should see all the things that I have to do to like avoid feeling like I, I'm going to be a victim. And I've always done this. You know, I've carried mace and things like that. And it's like, I really shouldn't feel like this. 
Um, and I think it, I don't know if it's just because I'm of my gender, or I'm just afraid of being mugged. But in general, like women, you know, when they get attacked, it's a sexual attack and not a hey, give me your wallet. I mean, I or maybe that's yeah, the sometimes or it's a bit of both. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Well, because I think I think when you take you know take on a man, you know, rape him. I mean, rape is about power. People want to call this a sexual crime. It is not. Rape is a hundred percent about power and control, and it always has been, and always will be. So you are going to take down a target that you feel. I was talking about this with um, with a friend of mine yesterday, and I said, you know, I have never carried myself like a victim. You know what I mean? Like, I don't carry myself like a target. Maybe that's a better word. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, and I go, I go to Walmart at three in the morning because it's an easy time to shop, but I am very vigilant about my surroundings. I look people in the eye. I do not dawdle. I'm not standing there like an idiot in the parking lot looking for my keys. You know, there's a lot of things that you, that we have just been ingrained to do, but you know, I, I mean, I've seen people who who just walk around, and I'm like, just you know, do something different. But you know, you have to be vigilant, but you have to also carry yourself in a way that's like, I will not be intimidated by the likes of you. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And if you decide you want to, you want to go, then I'm going to go down fighting. Yeah. Every single time. That's I'm not ever going to be in that situation to where, uh, you know. I'm going to be an easy target. I'm going to make it as unappealing as humanly possible. So I don't know. And it's sad that we have to think about those things and worry about those things. When I first went away to college, I lived in a dorm and, you know, attached to my little, uh, I had a little wallet thing that went in my pocket because you don't carry a purse on campus. You never carry a purse on campus. Um, Had the little wallet thing with my ID and, you know, whatever else in it had my keys to my dorm room and a bottle of mace on it because yep. I was an 18 year old girl living. Yep. On my Don't own, try to get that into a ball game. Cause they'll take it. They'll confiscate it and oh, do it again. Like, no, I, I don't do these things anymore. You know, I mean, yeah, I have a, fr- <laughs> have a friend who accidentally tased herself cause she thought it'd be a good idea to go out and get a taser and then she was like, I wonder how, and I'm like, that's dumb. And I have another friend who accidentally maced herself. So these are the reasons why I, <laughs> I don't think it was you. I know, a girl in my dorm room accidentally maced herself one time. Oh no. I And, and yeah. it's like, I don't do these things anymore, but I, you know, I just, I think we just need to have a better understanding of what's really going on. We've got to stop downplaying it as, Oh, She's just saying this for attention. And I think there was something I wanted to throw in here because we talked about Weinstein. Did you see this, the shit on Kevin Spacey that's coming? So out? upset. I'm so upset that he, yeah. that he is. I am upset, but I am not remotely surprised by this oh, because I have always found him to be incredibly creepy. Like everybody's like, oh, American Beauty is an amazing movie. I'm like, he's like a child. He's like a, like a, fucking pedophile yeah, like I, you you understand like that's I, a character I, that he's playing but like that was the point of the movie was that is yes is it because look what just came out yeah yeah i know but he uh he apparently sexually yeah. harasses different gender but still it's very disturbing and i'm very upset to, to hear that uh, well the guy the kid was like 14 well, yeah. and he was like 26 that's that's gross ew and then to try to come then to try to come out as a part of that apology. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was the worst timing I'm ever. So very, but I'm um, almost as upset with Spacey yeah. as much as I am uh, with I was with uh, Cosby. Cosby, I am angry with. Like again, Spacey, I'm annoyed by it. I think it's wrong. I think he's a pedophile. It's gross. I'm not surprised by it because I just think he's kind of a creepy dude. Yeah. See, I'm Cosby. I'm I was angry. Because I feel tricked and betrayed into like loving this human being as much as you can love a human being you've never met. You know, I grew up watching the Cosby show. I grew up watching Bill Cosby's stand up comedy, hearing how he was a wonderful proponent for education, hearing how he was just this wonderful human being to find out he's just a fucking rapist. Oh, it's, I know. And then like, 
going back and that just <sighs> crushes my heart. And then like, they've just now started putting episodes of the Cosby show back on TV. They pulled them uh, for a long time. They've just started pulling them back. And, and I, I will still watch them every once in a while, but I just, I get so upset and I feel duped and manipulated. You know what I mean? Like, like all my life, you here you go thinking this person is one way. And so that really angered me. And then the stuff that came out, it's probably been a month now, um, about Joss Whedon, not being the guy that everybody thought that he was really upset me as well. Cause you know, we've, for a long time, we've had Joss Whedon is the, is, uh, a lot of strong female characters. And so he writes strong female characters. He's always put out there as like, a feminist and, you know, somebody who's fighting for the equality and, you know, these type of things, but to then find out that that's, that's just a character he made up for himself. It's not really who he is or what he does, that he has also had affairs, you know, behind his wife's back, that he also was harassing people on, you know, sets of movies, all of the things that he's saying he's not doing. And, you know, it's, you get to the point where you just, you know, some of these people, it's like for a long time, your brain, because we we talk a lot about cognitive dissonance on this show, right? Your brain knows one thing, but you get new information and it's really hard to fit it into what you know. Mm-hmm. So to see these things that we've, we have preached for so long or we have felt for so long, just be utterly wrong. It just makes you super uncomfortable. It's just really, really weird. Yeah. So, but. So that's, that's kind of where I am with this. We did get one other question that I want to throw out and I wanted to do it after I talked about that because uh, Brent from the home video hustle uh, podcast, who's one of our good castaway friends has said, are there certain actors whose movies will be hard to watch now after this or at all? So I think Cosby's definitely in there. Kevin Spacey. I, yeah, yeah, Kevin Spacey is just toast. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, when this when this information comes out about these these actors that you really liked or you start to really question, you know, Harvey Weinstein, he's a big Hollywood player and ma- has made a lot of movies. I don't even know all the movies. Like I have no idea. Well, like what did you make a agent, right? That's the thing is like he's so super powerful. That's why he was able to get away with all this stuff. But and you saw do you saw those video from like Courtney Love in 1995 sure. or something? Decades, yeah, decades this has been going on. Like, I can't say it, but, uh, you know, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to his uh, suite at the Four Seasons, don't go. go. And he said that 95, <laughs> and then she apparently got blackballed, but I didn't know if she asked yeah. anyway, but maybe that. Well, there was, like, Rose McGowan had similar things. But, you know, this is, and again, this is not just started with him. This has been going on, especially in Hollywood, for decades. I watched... Um, there's a series on Netflix a while back. I'm not sure if it's still on. I have to double check. Um, that was basically like gone too soon or something. And it was a series about different um, actors or mu- musicians, pe- people in the public eye who died young and tragic. So they had one on Kurt Cobain. They had one. Uh, uh, brains frozen. They had a whole bunch of them. They had a whole bunch of them that you normally think of. One of them was Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. Because they talk, you know, all the time about Natalie Wood because she died very young, very tragically. But like watching this documentary about her life and death, and there's a section in there where her mother has gotten her, like her mother was apparently like one of these horribly abusive stage moms, you know, and would, you know, didn't care if she was sick, didn't care what happened. Like she almost died on the set of one of these movies. They didn't give a shit. They're just like, get back out there and keep going. Um, Basically uh, made her dress up like in her audition things. Like she was going to an actual audition was taken into like an agent's or a, you know, whoever, uh, whoever casting person's office and was basically uh, beaten and raped to within an inch of her life and ended up in the hospital. Like they had to make up all these stories, what happened and like nothing ever came of that. And there's a lot of people who turn after a situation like that to drugs and alcohol and, you know, become serious addicts and just have all of this crap, like your whole life just spirals downhill because somebody decided that it was their right to 
take advantage of you and to misuse you in whatever case that is. And now that is a very extreme case and not remotely what we're full on talking about, but it is a byproduct of the behavior that starts with, I can do what I want because I have power over this person. Yeah. And that brings up a point with why, why Weinstein is such a big problem is because he was like, they require that you say, you know, thank you to him at the end of like winning an Oscar when, you know, he represented you. He is so powerful that, that people at the highest levels that how can you say, oh, we have to be at a different standard when somebody so powerful and like the industry leader is doing the exact same thing, right? Exactly. How can you reach above that? It sets the trend for everything to follow. Oh, it's it's so it's so heartbreaking because, and you know, it's it's worse in Hollywood. Oh yeah. So then it then it is well because it's so easy to get blackballed in Hollywood and never work again. And that's what happens. Yeah. And then and then mm-hmm. you saw the most recent things with the Weinstein thing is that if you if if anybody publicly accused him, then they would have like he'd hire agents to freaking follow them and get dig dirt dirt up on them. But they're also like security and ex KGB and stuff, so they're intimidating as well. And so. Like, right. so I can't say anything. There's these people standing outside my door and following me and stalking me and, and, you know, intimidate mm-hmm. uh, because I said something. Well, and, too. and then you get to the point where, again, we go back to, you know, it's not just, it's not just an intimidation. It's not just a blind threat. We, you know, to, to us, this is a very real threat. And this could very much mean the end of your life, the end of your career, all of these different things that are terrifying. And that's why, that's why people put up with it. It's not like, oh, they should have said something. Here's the deal. You tell somebody they should have said something. But when you say this, somebody did this, well, how can you make that something? You know, how can you say that about that person without knowing all the facts? You could ruin their life. Well, okay, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but somebody did this. Well, if you don't speak up, how do we know who it was? And then it's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, drink. Yeah. No, it, it's really, really common when you get to a point where you feel like you should say something to be told that, like, be very, very careful about what you're saying because somebody else's mm-hmm. reputation is on the line. And so that's- yeah, because fuck your reputation. Yours, yours doesn't matter. You are not important. It's this other person is much more important. So it's it's disheartening and it's hard, you know. You got to be tough to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> or trans or, you know, a man or whoever, whoever is having this happening to them. Because again, this is not just a woman thing. I do not want to offend anyone in our audience thinking that we're only talking about people who were, you know, whatever. Because I had a friend who was I have a friend who is gay. He, you know, openly gay, not a problem, was being sexually harassed by his female boss to the point where, like on a work trip, she was like laying in like laying on his hotel room bed and would not leave for like hours, like to this, like that, to that degree where you're like, I, I, I gotta get this person yeah. out of here. How do I do that? When she's my boss, I yeah. need this job. Okay. So like I said, there's always, there's always a choice. Yeah. There's always something. So can we can do. go back to, you know, we're hearing a lot from uh, men asking what they can do. Uh, that first reaction to tell somebody to be very careful about what they're saying that's what you you, you cannot do that uh, because is the worst blame the victim. It's so hard to do that. And then to have somebody slam it back in your face, then mm, no bueno. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And I think that again, speaking up is the way to go listening really listening to what somebody has to say is, is imperative because not feeling heard is a huge part of why people are going to stay quiet. Not just the outcome of what could happen, but the fact that somebody may question or, you know, and I'm wondering even like, what is the, you know, like for some reason, the believability of man versus woman that we see happen in these things. We're like, Oh, well, it's Bill Cosby. He's the nicest. Yeah. He's he's America's dad. We love this guy. How many women did it take and how long did it take for us to go, oh, no, he really is a rapist. Huh? Look at that. 
and and we automatically want to, you know, and it's in the likability that it's one of those things like when we like somebody, we automatically want to believe that they are good. And then somebody we don't know, or maybe somebody we don't like as much, we will say, hmm, I will question your motives. Instead of saying, I'm going to believe her until I can figure out whether you've actually done this or not. And I know it's innocent until proven guilty, but that's a big problem because some of these things never are able to be proven. Well, you probably noticed, this is Heather, by the way, that our podcast ended a little bit abruptly. That was because some audio monster ate the end of it. However, we wanted to get it out there, so I hope you enjoyed it. Music provided by www.bensound.com, and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. Our listeners have already fallen asleep. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now.